name is Teresa, and my husband and I have been to NBC for 29 years. Yes. <laughs> okay, our verse today is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth, Acts 1.8. Thank you. And let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We love you always. We thank you that Jesus came, and he died on a cross for us. And that he rose from the grave and that we serve a risen Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. He's alive and we're excited about that because it proves that everything that he said was true. Proves that he had the power over death, power over life. And he gives eternal life to everyone who will believe in him. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that simple gospel message. And Father, I pray that we would be good communicators of that message to a world that desperately needs Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would use the likes of us to transform our city, our state, our nation, and our world. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your word. Pray that you would challenge our hearts today, stir our hearts as we read your word. Every time we open this book, Father, I pray that you would stir us, change us, transform us, and make us different. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Was there something else? I keep thinking there was something else I was supposed to do. They were still up here. Were y'all going to sing another song? <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I just jumped right up there. All right. Uh, I did that once before, and uh, uh, I just jumped off the stage. Everybody was like, <laughs> couldn't believe I jumped. I don't think I'd do that today. I'd probably hurt something. All right, let's look at Acts 1.8. The verse that was read this morning, Acts 1.8. And as we do, I want us to think about this, uh, this passage. And you go ahead and put just the follow me verse uh, up there. Uh, as we think about this idea of following Christ, being followers of his, we need to think about this idea of witness, to be his witnesses. Because that's what he tells us. He tells us to be his witnesses. That we share our faith like the early disciples shared theirs. And I was thinking about that in regard to the ripple effect. I love that uh, picture of ripple. In fact, uh, here's, here's the picture of it right here where you have the concentric circles radiating out from one point. One thing happens. You drop something in, a rock or something else, and it creates this ripple effect. I love the little... Uh, water as it, it splashes out. You gotta, you gotta be either very lucky or a good photographer, or know what you're doing to get that that picture right there. 
to have those, uh, those concentric circles going out is easy to get, but that drop of water going up from a single event. And we think of that single event being the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection on the cross. And it's what made me think about that. And in fact, as I think about that ripple effect, Jesus' death and resurrection impacted the whole world. If you can go ahead and put that one up, yes. Now that one, the, the ripple starts in the middle of the ocean and Jesus wasn't there. It needs to be moved over a little bit. Uh, I, I had to find this when I couldn't create myself. But you look at that and you think from Christ's death and resurrection, the whole world has been impacted. People that are believers all over the globe because of people sharing their faith. That ripple effect. I was thinking about how uh, when I was growing up, I loved the ripple effect when I was at a swimming pool. And I would do a cannonball, and then my brother would do a cannonball after me, and then my sister, and then my other brother, and we would just get up as quick as we can and keep jumping in until all the parents said, stop, you're splashing all the water out of the pool, right? Because we love that ripple effect of watching it just go more and more, the intensity of it. And we were excited to do it. We were excited to have fun doing it. And I was thinking that same excitement and that same impact is what we need to have when we think in regard to the gospel of Jesus Christ and of being his witnesses. That we can't wait to start that next ripple. That we can't wait to be his messengers of a message that can be transformed this world it wasn't a small thing that he died on a cross and rose from the grave it was huge and transformative and it still is when Jesus first called his disciples remember what he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men at the end of his life he's telling the same thing be my witnesses, impact the world in my name. And you look at that and you realize it's the same message all the way through. We lose our way. We lose our focus as a church collectively, as individuals. It's easy to lose our way. That's one of the reasons why I like that navigator wheel that I showed you last time. The navigator wheel is a very simple illustration of Christ being central in our lives that we uh, 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 abide in him by the word of God in prayer the word of God him speaking to us prayer us speaking back to him and then that idea of belonging to the body of believers that fellowship uh, uh, arm or, or spoke there of the wheel and then the impacting spoke witnessing for him being his witnesses and when you look at that, it's easy for us to see our lives and think, where do we need to grow in? Last time I talked about the Word of God, that we spend time in the Word, that we spend time uh, 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 even doing the Bible recap. I encourage you, if you haven't done that this year, start it this year. You're, you're only a few days in, you're only a few days behind, but you can start on any day of the year and do the Bible recap. It's a, uh, you can do it on, on uh, it's just a one of the reading programs that you'll find in the U version of the Bible on your phone. You can even get it to read it to you. Spend time in the Word. It changes you. It transforms you as you submit to the Word of God. One of the short spokes usually for most of us is this witnessing spoke. Because we think, oh, I, I, I'm not a good witness, or that's not who I am, or that's not my strength. Or when, when my, uh, uh, in my dad's generation, they, they said, you don't talk about politics or religion. And so they used that as an opportunity to, to not witness. And I was thinking, when I heard that, I thought, but the scriptures tell us to witness. So which one is right? 
It's the word of God, and I'm going to submit myself to it. It's not my strongest area, witnessing. And yet every one of us is a witness for Christ, either for good or bad. I know that most of us have seen sports figures who say, I'm not a role model. And you're going, oh, yes, you are. You're not a very good one, but you are a role model, right? I mean, we're thinking that in our head. You may not say that out loud, but that's what we're thinking. And the question is, we're, uh, are we the same way as believers in Christ saying, oh, I'm not a role model. I'm not a witnessing person. That's just not who I am. But when in reality we're saying, I'm not a role model, I'm not a witness, and, and God is saying, oh, yeah, you are. I'm not a very good one, <laughs> Right? And so what makes us a good witness for Jesus Christ? See, that's the question before us this morning. How am I supposed to apply this to my life? How am I supposed to look different? How am I supposed to be one of those people who, who witness for him? And so many times we like that statement by St. Francis of, of, you know, witness often, occasionally use words. There's, there's some reality to that. It's both my life and my words. Because there are people who say, well, that's just a great person. But they don't know why I'm a great person. They don't know why I'm loving. They don't know why you're caring. They don't know why you're reaching out and serving other people. Until you verbalize it's because of your faith in Jesus. Because Jesus transformed your life. And that's why you live like you do. That's why you love like you do. That's why you don't respond in anger when somebody responds in anger to you. That's why you forgive somebody that doesn't deserve your forgiveness. Those are, when you begin to do those things and you're living what the word of God tells us to do, people see that and they see the hand of God. They see something they haven't seen anywhere else. They see something that they, they don't see in other people's lives and what they're seeing is the hand of God. And many times they'll say, why did you do such and such or why did you love that person why did you forgive that person and what they're really asking for is your testimony at that moment but we miss it because we don't realize that's what they're really asking it's because of Jesus in my life and Jesus transformed my life and that's why I'm different that's why I love that's why I forgive that's why I'm patient that's why I use self-control when I feel angry I mean all of those things are evidence of the hand of the spirit of God in my life and people see that, and then they want to know the Jesus that I know. When I'm not living like that, when I'm living any old way, and I'm not following what the scriptures say, and people see, here's what I say I believe, and here's how I'm living my life, they go, I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that religion. I don't want any part of that Jesus. And we realize, I'm a witness. As I walk with him, and they see the hand of God, or as I don't, and they don't want any part of what they see. We are his witnesses. The question is, how do we change that to be the witnesses that he's designed us to be? Because what we do speaks into eternity. How we live in regard to that speaks at the, to the end of time. There are some things that we speak that don't last that long. I mean, we, think, we say, oh, that thing went viral. And what we're talking about is social media and something goes viral. What are we saying? The ripples of that, that one deal has all of a sudden just permeated our entire culture. And yet they're temporary. There are things that went viral six months ago, a year ago, and you're, you're, you're thinking, don't even remember them, right? What would the fox say? 
<laughs> right? Went viral there for a while. Most of us don't, and it was in all sorts of uh, media and that kind of thing. Nobody's, that's not in anybody's thinking today. It's gone. It was temporary. It was short-lived. In fact, I, I saw a TikTok video. I didn't watch the video. I was just kind of Googling, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and this thing came up of how to go viral with no uh, followers. And I was going, you know, and was, they, were, they were kind of promising that you could get a million followers to follow you on some, you know, if you followed this one recipe. And I thought, yeah, you can follow these recipes for going viral, but they're short-lived. When we invest in things that are eternal, God himself, the word of God, the souls of people, when we invest there, the investment that we make, the witness that we have, will go forth into eternity because those are eternal issues. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how are we going to be those witnesses that God wants us to be? We complain about our world. We complain about our city or our, our, our state or our nation, about the leadership or whatever. Well, it's on us. If we were sharing our faith and we were seeing the hearts of people transformed by the power of God, it would transform our city and our state and our nation and our world. And we wouldn't even have to have the laws that we have that people break all the time because the law would be here in people's hearts and the Spirit of God would convict their hearts of right and wrong. And so when we look at that, we think we have a job to do and we've lost our way, we've lost our focus and Jesus is saying, get your focus back. Get your focus where it needs to be so that we concentrate on following him and what that means. And so what that means is, is that we look at this and we realize, you know what, I need to grow in that witnessing area. That needs to be, or, or maybe you think I need to grow in the word area. Maybe you're great as a witness. Maybe you're introverted and that's just not, you don't think that's you. You're still a witness. People are still watching your life. People are still listening to what you have to say. And when we speak under our breath and what we say under our breath, that counts too about what we say. So we need to think about those things in regard to this world that we're around because Jesus at the beginning says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. At the end, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now notice it's in the passive sense. You will be my witnesses. It's not in an active sense. He's not saying go and witness. He's saying you receive the spirit and you'll be my witnesses. And you'll be my witnesses worldwide. Many of you have heard me tell the story about the uh, violin player that was a seventh grader when I first moved to Arlington and I'd went, uh, uh, I was an orchestra teacher and I taught a year and then I went to Haiti that summer and then I taught another year and she was in that that class in that year that I taught and the things I shared about my trip to Haiti set her heart on fire even as a young seventh grader and she still says to this day the first missionary she ever met was her orchestra teacher and because of that she had a heart for missions. She married a wonderful man. They did 
uh, music camps every summer for 30 years. Ten weeks during the summer, a hundred kids every week, a thousand kids every summer, 30,000 kids in 30 years. And she said, and in six different countries, including Germany and some others. And thinking about all those people, and some of them became worship leaders, worship pastors, I thought the ripple effect just exploded my mind. I, could, I couldn't claim any credit for any of that. The Lord just kind of pulls back and says, let me show you, you did one little thing, one little ripple, one little rock dropped in the pond. And you thought it was nothing. For 30 years, you thought it was nothing. You thought you didn't impact anybody. And I want to show you what I did with what little step, little seed that you planted. And my mind was blown about the magnitude of our God. Not me, not that I did this wonderful thing. God showed me what he could do if I would just be faithful with what he's given me. And then she told me that her son was playing with Lauren Daigle at Carnegie Hall. And he had been a part of those worship camps as well. Mine was blown. It was already blown. It was really blown, right? You've heard me share that. The ripples went out. Who am I? Nobody. What did God do as a result of nobody sharing the little bit that he's given me that, that my worth is, is because of him? And, and he changed and, and rippled this thing out. Wow. It's not these great and mighty things that we do. It's the small things that we do, that we faithfully serve him. And when I look at this command uh, here in, in uh, Acts, when I first looked at it, I thought I was thinking about, you know, what the church's program is, what God's plan is for the church. But then I realized, no, he was speaking to 11 individuals. Notice what it says. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. He's talking about the first book that was the Gospel of Luke. He says, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Who were those? So there were 11. Now we know that there were as many as 120 people. In verse 15 it says, in those days Peter stood up among the brothers. A company of the persons was in all about 120. So we know that there were at least 120. Were they on the hill too? We don't know. We do know 11 were there. And he's speaking specifically to them. So he's given it to 11 individuals. The church hadn't even been started yet till Acts chapter 2. So I thought, you know what? This isn't just talking about the universal church. This isn't a marching orders for that. It's not just a local church. Yes, it's for both. It's for all of us. That we are global Christians. Not just thinking here and now in my own little world, in my own little place. But thinking globally. In missions, uh, the idea is that you think locally and globally, and so they've used the term "glocal." I don't know if that term is still used, but that was a, term, a mission term, that we think globally, that we as believers in Jesus Christ are not supposed to just think here and now. And it's amazing, in the, at the beginning of the missions movement, the modern missions movement at least, with uh, William Carey, the father of modern missions, he was leaving England, going to India, and when he, when he was leaving and he was raising support so that he could go, people were telling him if God cares about those people in India he'll take care of it himself he doesn't need you well there's a truth to that but the reality is God has called us to go do that and so we need to be global Christians and some of you say well I may never leave the country well that's all right we can reach Mansfield 
I mean, reach the world from Mansfield, Texas. Do you know at the University of Arlington, any given year, there's over 5,000 international students, and many of them have never spent one evening in, a, in an American's home over the four years that they're here. And they're from every country in the world, and in many countries that are close to the gospel, they're right there. And many of those are the leaders and the future leaders of that country. Some of them are even royalty from their country. And they're right there at our doorstep. All you have to do is go and, and, and apply at the Foreign, uh, International Student, Foreign Student Office and, and, and one will come and, and, and you can invite them to spend an evening in your home. And maybe even develop a relationship over four years, invite them over occasionally. And you get to share the gospel. Wow. You got people in your neighborhood. You got people in your family. It's why we say pray for five there are so many people that need the Lord. Pray for five that you would like to see come to know the Lord and then pray that you're used in at least one of those people's lives because when it says, be my witnesses and we pray for witnesses to come into their lives, maybe it's us. Maybe that's what we're praying for is God would use us in that person's life. And so he says, but you will receive power now, there's an interesting thought that we'll receive power. We, we think, oh, it's all on me. I need to make this thing happen. I need to, to, to be able to, to uh, uh, learn a gospel presentation. And there are some things that you can learn, by the way. The navigators have some good resources on how to prepare a personal testimony. They also have how to share your faith, a, a bridge illustration, bridge to life. You can, there's even apps, and I was going to, uh, tell you one, but I couldn't find the one on my phone. I know it's on there somewhere. Where it goes through the bridge illustration, all you have to do is click on the app and then you could just walk somebody through that or walk yourself through it. Where it has the bridge to life and it shows God on one side and us on the other and how Jesus bridges that gap between us and God. So that if we want to get to God in a sense, how we do it is not on our own. It's through Jesus Christ. It's through his power and his alone. So that we are those who understand what the gospel is. I'm amazed how many times that I, I ask people, what is the gospel? And they can't tell me very clearly. They say, oh, I, I love God. Well, that's nice, but that's not the gospel. They'll say, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a good person. Oh, that's wrong. <laughs> it's certainly not the gospel. Because salvation is a free gift, not you were good in this life. Great, hooray, I'm glad you were. But it's one thing, when you, when you and I mentioned this even in the Christmas Eve service, when, when you've hurt somebody else, say you've offended somebody, it's no longer on you to make that relationship right. You can't make that relationship right. You can't give presents. You can't give flowers. You can't do anything. All you can say is, I'm sorry. All the power is on their side to say, I forgive you. And you can't make that happen. In fact, if you try to force that, it will be insincere on their part. Right? So when we've offended God because we've sinned, and all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God... We've sinned in areas that we don't even realize as a sin. 
And so somebody might say, oh, well, I don't sin. I don't do things wrong. I'm a good person. Well, that's great. Except you don't, what it shows is we don't really realize what sin really is. Because we offend God daily. In so many different ways. And so we need his forgiveness. It's in his court to forgive us. And he tells us all we need to do in order to receive that forgiveness is to receive Jesus, his son, as our savior. So when we receive Jesus Christ as our savior, then we're forgiven of our sins. We receive the Holy Spirit at that moment. So many things happen. I'm justified. I'm redeemed. I mean, all these things that happen that I don't even realize happened. In 1972, when I received Christ, I didn't even know where the books of the Bible were, much less all the theological issues that happened at that moment that I received Jesus. And it's through his name alone that salvation comes. It's through him alone that forgiveness from the Father happens. It's through him alone, his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, that when I believe on Jesus, I receive so many things that are gifts from God. And that's one of the things that you see here that Jesus tells them. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, when I read that, I was thinking, wait a minute. Didn't didn't Jesus give them the Holy Spirit didn't he breathe on them the Holy Spirit at the, before he was taken up? Yes, he did in John chapter 20. It says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So it's like, so if they already received the Spirit, what is this? Why is he telling them, stay in Jerusalem, receive the Spirit, which seemingly they already had? Well, That's where theology is helpful. Understanding the scriptures is helpful. In the Old Testament, not everybody got the Spirit. Not every believer had the Spirit of God. You have something right now that Old Testament believers did not have. And that's the Spirit of God. If you've received Christ, that's you receive the Spirit. Ephesians 1 tells us that. Ephesians 1, 13 says that... uh, uh, when you, when you heard the message of the truth, and you go, well, what is that? The gospel of your salvation. Okay, that's the message of the truth. The gospel, that Christ died for my sins, rose from the grave. Having believed, so you believed on Jesus, it says you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is a guarantee of your inheritance. A guarantee. I get the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, every believer. In the Old Testament, that wasn't the case. The people that got the Holy Spirit were, were uh, kings, uh, prophets, uh, certain uh, other people and special uh, uh, opportunities. They got the Spirit of God, but they could also lose the Spirit. Saul lost the Spirit. It was taken away from him, and an evil spirit came and uh, tormented him, Right? In David's case, after he sinned with Bathsheba, in Psalm 51, where he's confessing his sin before the Lord, he prays, Lord, don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. Not something that we have to pray today. How do I know that? Ephesians 4.30. says, don't grieve the Spirit of God. And doesn't say whom you're getting ready to lose. It says, don't grieve the Spirit of God 
by whom you were sealed, the same word as he used in Ephesians 1, 13, by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. So how long do I have the Spirit of God? From the moment I believe, according to Paul in Ephesians 1, till the moment of the day of redemption, the moment of that day of glorification, being with him. I have the Holy Spirit my whole entire life and can't lose it. Even when I grieve the Spirit, it's right in that context. But you have the Spirit until the day of redemption. Assurance of salvation because of the Spirit of God in my life. I can't lose my salvation. That's a powerful thing because I can't lose the Spirit. So what happened with the disciples? Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit as a special dispensation during the uh, Old uh, Testament era because the church hadn't been started yet. Didn't start until Acts chapter 2. And so apparently that was just a temporary giving of the Spirit to help them. Why? Because they were getting ready to face some really tough stuff when Jesus died on the cross and people were accusing them of being Jesus' friends and they were running and scattering and everything else. Jesus knew they needed the Spirit of God to make it through that weekend, to make it through that time. But now they were going to receive that baptism of the Spirit, that permanent installment of the Spirit that every believer in Jesus Christ has. That was transformative. That was life-changing. That was something that was significant. And Paul even says, I want you to understand the significance of this. Paul in Ephesians, remember Ephesians 1.13, it says you're, you're sealed with the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, until the day of redemption. In Ephesians 1, verses 18 to 20, it says, having your eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. What does he want us to know? What does he want us to experience here which is the word know in, 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 the, in the Greek here that you may know experientially what is the hope to which he has called you what is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, resurrection power, not just any power, through the Spirit of God who has been given to us. He says, I want you to know that. I want you to have eyes to see that, to see that power. How do we know that power? We know it when we walk in the Spirit and we're able to overcome the temptations of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5, he says, so that you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you'll experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You deal with anger, self-control. You struggle with, with, with somebody that's around you, love, love your neighbor. You struggle with wanting to give up and throw your hands up, faithfulness. All through the Spirit of God. All those things that you feel. Our world longing for hope. Longing for that hope that Jesus brings to them. Longing for that joy that people see in your life and they think, why do you feel joyful now? We're in a COVID environment. Why do you feel joy when everybody else is kind of down? It's because of Jesus. They're looking for your testimony, right? They're asking, what makes you different? It's Jesus that makes me different. It's not because I'm just some sort of superhuman. I'm not some sort of Marvel hero. 
I just know Jesus. He is the answer to everything that the world is longing for. The power of the spirit that he, he brings upon that moment is the power that we need to live daily our lives. I was Googling just different things on, on the internet and, and uh, one of the things that um, uh, uh, struck me was uh, this uh, pug named Noodles. I didn't go and look. How many of you know Noodles? Any of y'all know? Okay, there's one. I see one hand here. One Noodles follower or whatever. Every day, Jonathan Graziano, he's 30 years old. He has this pug, Noodles. All he does on his TikTok is he picks the dog up. And he's a real lazy dog, see? And usually when he picks him up and stands him up, he'll just flop back down. And he calls that a no-bones day because apparently he has no bones or doesn't seem to have any bones in, in his body that will hold him up. And he just falls over and he says, well, that's a bad omen. You know, be careful on today. And then he picks the pug up the next day and the pug will stand up. Oh, that's a bones day. This is going to be a good day. And so a lot of people kind of watch, you know, noodles. Now you'll probably go look up noodles too, won't you, this week? Just to see what I'm talking about. But anyway... When I think about a believer in Jesus Christ, every day is a bones day for us because our bones are not ours. How many times do we wake up and we got no energy? We don't feel, we feel flat. We feel like we got nothing. We have the spirit of God residing within us, giving us power to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and to live the kind of life that God wants us to live, to be his witnesses as we live our life, and people will see that and see the hand of God in us, and they'll, they'll, and they'll go, wow, I want to know that person's God. I want to know Jesus Christ because somehow he's making a difference in that person's life. And we have the opportunity to make a verbal witness to those who are asking for the hope that is within us. It's powerful. And so we look at this passage and we realize Jesus wants us to know. Final words. These are his final words. Yeah, he had the final words from the cross, seven last words on the cross. These final words, we're going to look at some other final words that he gives to his disciples next week in Matthew 28. But here... These final words, and you think final words are important words. Those are words that you care about. Those are words that probably are fraught with emotion. If you had the chance to think about the things that you were going to say to your family if this was your last day on earth, they would be important words. They would be words that you would care deeply about, and they would be fraught with emotion. And so when I look at this, I realize I think Jesus was pretty emotional here. I don't think this was just some casual... Okay, yeah, let me tell you a couple of things before I take off, right? I think it was kind of, guys, I want you to focus. I want you to realize that this is the most important thing that you can do with your life. No matter what your job is, no matter what, what your political persuasion, no matter any of that stuff, this is where our focus needs to be. That you're my witnesses. My witnesses. He's the central focus, not me. He's the, the focus of my attention when I talk to someone that people, when they walk away from me, they've seen Jesus. 
seen some part of him, some way in some area of my life. And it's not based on me. I do the little incomplete droplet and he causes all the radiating concentric circles out that impacts the world for Jesus Christ. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, remotest part of the earth. So you look at a map of that uh, uh, part of the world of, of Israel and you'll see that Jerusalem, it's down there on the bottom part of the picture, is where they were. They were supposed to stay in Jerusalem until the Spirit came on them, right? And when the Spirit came on, then they were his witnesses. So they stay in Jerusalem and they stayed there for 10 days, by the way. Because we know from the passage that they were, uh, that Jesus presented himself to, to them alive by many proofs. I was thinking, man, Luke, couldn't you have written down one or two of these things? Appearing to them during 40 days. So he dies, he's resurrected. For 40 days, he appears to the disciples and he shows them all these proofs and he speaks about the kingdom of God, which is the reason why they ask about the kingdom. They said, hey, uh, is the kingdom coming now? Question that we have now. We look at our world and think, man, is the kingdom coming now? And Jesus is saying, focus. Focus, not for you to know. You don't need to worry about that. Don't need to worry about all the uh, apocalyptic events that are going to occur. You don't need to worry about when Jesus is going to come back. You need to focus on being my witnesses because that's not for you to know. He says, I want you to start where you are, Jerusalem. I want you to reach that region that's around it, Judea. And then I want you to reach Samaria. Those are the people that are least like you, people that you even kind of get offended about. I want you to reach them too. Nobody's off limits. Whole world. In missions circles, they call it E1, E2, and E3. I, I didn't use this in the first hour, but I'll show it to you. Uh, it's evangelism. Of course, you recognize the guy on the bottom there. Uh, and, and the E1 is the near neighbor, people that you're most like. E2 is once you have some common reference points. And E3 is those who are totally different culture and language. And Jesus is saying, and we're most comfortable with the near neighbor. And we think, oh, we can reach that person. What about the different culture and language? We can reach those too. Some of them are coming to the United States, like we said. Some of them you may travel and you go be in their country and there's translators and they can translate for you. I mean, it's amazing what can be done in this day. And it's like, we're supposed to think about all three. We're supposed to pray for all three. We're not just supposed to just pray for the one. We're supposed to be focused on and be world Christians. Those who focus on the whole world. Those who focus on the ends of the earth. And not those who just say, well, that's, that's uh, you know, somebody else needs to reach those. Because we do the same thing in our own day. Had a church that I was a part of for years that decided to do away with their foreign missions programs because they, they said, well, we have so many needs here. We got plenty of needs here that need to be reached. And that's true if we were doing a job of evangelism. But see, that's where I think the thing comes in. We, we got to do more than just meet the physical needs of people. And we do a lot of that. 
We do that with Feed the Children. We do that with the Angel Tree Project. We do that with building wheelchair ramps. But we got to go more. We got to do more. We got to share about not just the love of Christ in what we do, but the love of Christ in what we say and what we speak. And that we reach beyond. And so that we think about how am I individually impacting the world? How am I reaching India? Well, I have some people, right? The Davids, Finney Matthews. They're doing some great things there. And so we invest in them. That's one way we can do it is invest. One way we do it is by sending encouragement to them because they get discouraged. And we want to encourage God's people to keep it up, to hang in there, to keep moving forward. We can do it by getting involved in some service projects. Maybe this year is a year where you think, I'm going to go help with and volunteer in the, in the Mansfield Mission Center. Or I'm going to build a, a wheelchair ramp for someone or invest in, in a wheelchair ramp. I can't build anything, so I would just have to be told where to hammer the nail, right? But that we get involved in people's lives and we pray for the five that we're praying for and we're asking God, give me that one that's going to come to you, that's going to that's going to want to walk with you, that's going to need to learn how to, how to understand their Bible like somebody did with me, just a fellow college student. It wasn't a pastor or full-time minister. It was just a fellow college student that shared Christ with me, and I got in a Bible study with them that they were leading. And they had two or three people, and they didn't have all the answers, but they had enough to get me going and get me into God's Word. What is it that God has for you? In terms of reaching this world, because if we're going to reach this world, it means that we need to start here in Mansfield. Go ahead and put that other map back up. We start in our Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem is Mansfield, Texas. We can reach the world from Mansfield, Texas. And our world, our part of the world needs to be reached. Because we're following the way of Europe and there's decline. The number of nuns is increasing. Let's say no religious affiliation. That's increasing in our culture, in our society. And it's, it's already uh, 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 beginning to advance and look more like Europe. Where When I've been to different places in Europe, I've been in Italy and seen some of these great, beautiful cathedrals. And, and the tour guide says, now keep it down. There's the faithful are worshiping up there. And you look up there and there's like 20 people. And that's it. And you go, wow, and, then, and they're involved in this. I don't know if they even know the gospel, and yet there's only 20 that would even consider themselves religious. And you know where the growth is happening? In the southern hemisphere, Africa, South America, Central America, the Caribbean even. The foreign countries are beginning to send more people into missions. Our numbers are declining in 2015, the number of American missionaries was 121,000. And I was thinking, wow, I, that seems small. All the things that God's doing in the world with just 121,000 people, and we got 7, 8 billion people, 121,000, and ours is declining, our numbers are declining. But the numbers are increasing in those areas that I just mentioned to you and some of the others, Brazil and, and others, 101,000. Pretty soon, our numbers are going to be below that. It's God's, God's changing the, the demographic. He's changing the focus. of, And I think, no, we need, we need to not give up our role. We need to not give up our role of, of sharing Christ with the world and being world-thoughtful witnesses for him. 
And that we start where we are and that we reach our neighborhood, we reach our homes, we reach our community, we reach our state, we reach our nation, we reach our world. God wants us to do that. He wants us to make a difference. And it starts with us. And we think, I don't have much, or I'm an introvert, or whatever excuse we use. It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm an extrovert, and I find evangelism hard. I know it's got to be tough for those who are introverted. But both of us need to share our faith. There are those that have courage, and I'm so inspired by them. When they have courage to share their faith beyond their own life. Jesus' last words to his disciples. Are to follow him. To be his witnesses. Not to just follow him while he was there with them. To follow him while he was leaving. And that same message is for us. That we be his witnesses. And may we be exciting witnesses and have fun as we do it. I mean, witnessing doesn't have to be this hard confrontational thing. It can be a blast. If we're excited about what we believe. I just saw the, the all Madden uh, 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 special, you know, he just passed away. John Madden, he was kind of foot, Mr. Football. He changed the nature of the way it was communicated with, with our, our world, really, I guess. And, and when you think about it, one of the things they said is he just shows up in a room and, 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 and it changed the nature of the room. People were looking to him. They, were, they knew that he was excited about the game. When he began to talk about the game, people wanted to listen. People who didn't even care about football loved to listen to a guy that was excited about what he was doing. And I think if we're excited about our Lord Jesus Christ and we can't wait to talk about him and we're excited as we do it and we do it in, a crea in creative ways, our world is going to be, be wanting to hear about this Jesus. And at those moments, we'll be witnesses that will see people who are fished for him. May we be those kind of witnesses. May we follow him with everything that we are, all that we have as we follow him being his witnesses. Father, we pray these things, that you would help us to be your witnesses. Help us to take time to learn how to share our testimony. Help us to take time to learn how to uh, uh, share our faith, to share the gospel message, to make sure that we're clear on it, that we're clear on what the gospel is, and that we would live for you. Lord, I pray that 2022 would be a year of transformation that you would start with us transforming our hearts, understanding that you want to use us to spread the good news and that we can start just a little ripple and you can take it and explode it into a huge ripple in this world. And Father, I pray that we would be on board with that, that we would be globally thinking Christians, globally praying Christians, praying about our Jerusalem, Mansfield, Texas, praying about our world. Use us, Lord, to transform and change this place for you. By the power of your spirit, not in our own strength, help us to learn how to do that. And I pray that people would see your hand at work. And when they do, they would get excited about Jesus.
and want to know him and want to follow him. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.